And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We're going to have Scott Gordon joining us in a little bit. But first, we got some news at The Athletic pertaining to our coverage of the Islanders, and we wanted to make sure we fully introduced the new main Islanders beat writer, and that's Kevin Kurz. Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, Arthur. How are you? Doing great. Very excited to have you come back east and join the the tri-state coverage crew. We've obviously got uh, Shana Goldman jumping in to do Devils in addition to her Rangers work. I'll be doing mostly Rangers and a little bit of some other stuff as need be. And Kevin's coming uh, close to home to do the Islanders. He's been in San Jose for a decade, uh, the last few years for us at The Athletic covering the Sharks. Uh, and there's some similarities between these two teams and their fan bases, I would say. And and uh, in your time covering San Jose, have you kind of um, under started to understand the the small market, passionate fan uh, as well as you have out there, and that how that's going to be pretty similar coming here? Yeah, and that's why you know that's why I like working the Athletic, frankly, because th- those are our fans, right? Those are our subscribers, the the diehards who who, um, you know, appreciate the in-depth deep dives and in, into certain topics. And, and it, it's the same in San Jose and it's, it's a tough time for the franchise right now, but you know, when I got here, it was, they were coming off back-to-back appearances and losses in the conference final. So that's, uh, you know, a little bit of a similarity right there, just in terms of team performance, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I always think the the fans here in San Jose, you know, San Francisco is an hour away, um, but right when I got here was when the Golden State Warriors pretty much started to become one of the greatest teams of all time, right? And 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 it seems like they've regained that uh, that title <laughs> yes. this season with the way they're going. And you know that started to overshadow the Sharks a little bit. The 49ers made a couple of Super Bowls. The Giants won three World Series. Um, so I think in some ways the overall fan base has diminished a little bit over the years. And and there are some crowds here that. Uh, they've been the smallest crowds in the time I've been here, but that diehard fan has, has certainly remained. And, um, you know, because of that, um, you know, I think there's always going to be a a hockey, a hockey market here. And, you know, maybe not, it's not as big as the team would like right now, but, um, you know, once they start winning again, which might take a couple of years, I have no doubt they're going to come back. And, you know, they're also in the oldest building and, and I've always gotten the sense you know, especially the last couple of years, I, I, I've been to Barclays Center. I saw some games there, and and I think I do realize maybe not as much as some people on the East that that the Islanders need a new building, and and that should probably rejuvenate everyone associated with the team. If, if I'm if I'm reading that right, <laughs> uh, normally yes. The way that this season has gone, maybe a little bit. It's a little bit delayed, but but definitely so. And uh, the one main connection I think besides now yourself in the last decade or so between the Sharks and the Islanders is the legendary Evgeny Nabokov, who's now the goalie coach with the Sharks. I just saw him at Madison Square Garden the other day. His Islanders time was brief, but legendary. Um, 
Do you have any nabby stories or did you kind of come along a little too late to really get the full nabby show in San Jose? Yeah, I was a little late to that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I did get the sense right away that, that he's one of the most popular players here, even though I never saw him play in person for the Sharks while I was covering the team. Um, he, he stuck around as the goalie coach and he's, he's always so great to talk to, uh, for, for any stories I'm doing. And it's one of those where I think sometimes the team is a little reluctant to make him available to reporters. <laughs> They're a little worried <laughs> that he might be too honest. Yes. Uh, Royce Thomas is the same way that the longtime AHL coach who's been doing this forever. Um, th- those are two of my favorite people to talk to in this organization, but, um, Nabby is still beloved here. Uh, I want to say not too long ago, I forget the circumstances, but he was recognized on, on the jumbotron. It might've been opening night. Um, and, and he got, Oh, you know, it, it was opening night when they do the player introductions, he's the goalie coach and he still gets an ovation as loud as, as some of the players, as guys like <laughs> Brent Burns and Thomas Hurdle. So, um, he does love this town. I doubt he's ever paid for any drinks in the last few years. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's, He's a pleasure to talk to just because he's got such a great personality. Now, not necessarily relevant for Islander fans, even though there's a lot of them that would like Lou Lamarillo to make a trade, any trade at all. Um, a lot of your most interesting stuff lately, for better or for worse, has been about the Evander Kane saga. And saga mm-hmm. feels like the right word to sum up. Okay. You could probably put a whole book together with all of the stories that you've done on him. What is the situation with Evander Kane and uh, do you feel like there can be a chance for him to fit somewhere else? I mean, the Islanders are desperate right now. I don't know if they're desperate enough for Evander Kane, but uh, but you're the guy that's closest to that situation. What do you, what do you make of all that, and where do you see him fitting in anywhere, if if anywhere else? I have a hard time knowing what I know about Lou. I have a hard time seeing Lou Lamorello and Evander Kane coexisting. Now, of course, stranger things have happened, and you know it only takes one team to one Evander Kane, and um. You know, as it's been pointed out, the Sharks can retain half of his salary in a deal and that team could retain half of that leftover salary. So, you know, maybe there's a team that takes a chance. But the biggest the biggest hurdle that that uh, is going to have to be cleared for any deal is that Kane has three or maybe the biggest obstacle, I guess I should say, to any deal is that Kane has three years left on his contract after this one at seven million dollars annually. So. While I think the Sharks would eat that because, you know, I think they'd be happy to avoid a buyout just to save them the long-term cap penalty. I think they would eat the half half of the remaining salary on the contract. But does another team want to take on a player that has essentially worn out his welcome everywhere he's been? And and that's 100% what has happened here in San Jose. Um, You know, as I reported over the summer, he alienated himself from a lot of the players in the dressing room, not just last year, but just with, with some of the things he's done the last couple of years. And, you know, it's the team's fault, too, I think, for not, um, you know, disciplining him at all or sitting him or anything like that. But um, they're in a position now where the team itself keeps talking about how good the vibe in the room is, how the chemistry is great. They have a lot of cohesion, you know, all those buzzwords that teams, you know, teams talk about needing uh, to have in a dressing room, playing for one another. You know, all those. I'm a big believer in all those things. And um they don't want Evander Kane back in the room. As someone told me uh, who has knowledge of what goes on in that dressing room, you know, some of those team leaders, they would not, they do not want him back uh, on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's fairly obvious in the last few days where we've talked to uh, management, uh, Bob Bugner and everybody associated, you know, he's going to play on the Barracuda, the AHL team. Um, 
And I don't think there's a path for him to return to the Sharks. Now, we'll see if a team bites. Um, again, it only takes one team. Maybe someone gets hurt. Maybe teams get a little more desperate, headed up to the trade deadline, towards the trade deadline. Um, but for now, he's going to practice and play with the AHL team. And, and, and again, I don't see him playing for the Sharks this season or, or frankly, ever again. Yeah, that, uh, it's a crazy situation. And uh, unfortunately, to segue into the, what we normally talk about here, you're not exactly coming into uh, the prime of the Islanders, which is probably the most shocking thing, I'm sure, for you when you were planning uh, or thinking about this move when all of our, you know, our, all of our internal shifting happened within the last couple months. Um, what do you make of the Islanders? And I'm, I'm sure you did watch the, the game with the Sharks the other night, the, the 2-1 San Jose OT win at UBS Arena. When you watch the Islanders play, and I'm, you know, the Islanders haven't really intersected with the Western Conference for for a couple of years now. But when you see them play now, uh, you know what comes to your mind, and and from talking, even maybe even talking to the guys on the Sharks about, you know, maybe the shock level of seeing a Barry Trotz team that's been so successful just struggling so much. Yeah, it's it's. I, I always thought they were a team that obviously they relied so much on on their defense core and 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 shutting other teams down and 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 good goaltending and and I you know I I can see why some some injuries to the key defensemen especially have affected them. Um, you know I, I I always feel like that that that's obviously the one position where if you start losing guys, it's really hard to to make up. You know if the forwards are excuse me if the defensemen are having trouble. Um, moving the puck out of the ice, break, breaking it out of their own zone, defending hard, and then getting to the, you know, the forwards are useless, right? So I, I feel, you know, watching them, and again, I, I haven't even seen them in person yet, but um, I, I can see how missing some of those key defensemen that have been maybe underrated throughout their careers and, and, and lately, um, you know, you take some of those guys out of the lineup, it, it affects everything. And then I've seen it happen with the Sharks, you know, a couple of years ago, Mark Edward Blasick, who I think um, – you know, at one point was was one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. They took they took him out of the lineup uh, during that reverse sweep against the LA Kings, and it screwed up everything. Um, they, they weren't getting the defensive zone stops they needed. They weren't breaking out as well. They, um, you know, it just it affects everything all over the ice. So it seems to me that's that's the biggest problem with the Islanders. You know, they 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 might not have any of the high powered scoring forwards other than Barzell, but. Um, you know, when you lose a couple of defensemen on a team like that, they're really going to struggle. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you, you, funny, you mentioned Vlasic. I think, uh, I had written earlier in the season when things hadn't gone off the rails yet that Adam Pellick is kind of, you know, especially when it comes to team Canada and their Olympic considerations, yeah, if yeah, they are going I, to the Olympics, kind of Adam Pellick is really the 2022 Canadian Olympic version of, of Mark Edward Vlasic from 2014, a guy that you might not have normally pictured to be among the, the elite level, Canadian defenseman, but has a has a real role, and we'll see where all that goes. But yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting parallel, and um, I you guess give me a story idea. I appreciate that. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I'm here for. I need um, them. I'm gonna need them. <laughs> and lastly, I you know we're always on Twitter way too much. I'm sure for our own good. Um, you have probably gotten a little bit of a taste since your announcement of the passion of Islander fans. And it is, it's on Twitter. It's on, in our comment section. Um, 
it can sometimes spill over into a little bit of anger and it's certainly the frustration makes a lot of sense right now but um you are a philly guy which means i assume you have a very thick skin when it comes to this sort of thing uh <laughs> what's been your interaction so far with with any islanders fans and uh and you know how do you feel like that relationship is going to grow because it is uh it is a it is a small and fierce fan base and maybe that maybe there are some parallels to to the sharks fan base as well there yeah i mean it's it's been great so far uh i'm not gonna say that i sit through and pour through all the at replies anymore like maybe i used to five and six years ago i'm not i don't think that's ever helpful for a whole number of reasons but uh honestly it's been it's been great so far i feel like the comments have been 95 percent positive Obviously, I expect that to continue, right? It's, I mean, <laughs> definitely, definitely. <Yeah. laughs> um, but you know, when when you see when you when I see the response, I think I went up something like three thousand Twitter followers, so that was a little bit unexpected. So so um, they they all jumped on board. But um, you know, I, I'm excited to move back into to me, and and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way to any Sharks fans that are listening, but, but it, hockey just feels more important in the East coast. Right. And, and in the Northeast and um, particularly in, in, in Philadelphia, where I grew up in, in New York, you know, I, I took tons of trips when I worked for the Flyers to Nassau Coliseum to Madison square garden. Um, and obviously all those other arenas, Boston, Montreal, Toronto. So um that, that's what I'm excited about to, to get back into um, a place where hockey really is, you know, the, the, the fans are, are, are passionate. There, there's more of them. Um, and, and like I said, it just, it just feels like it's uh it's a little bit more important where, you know, as out here, it's, it's hockey does still sort of have that niche feel where it's, it's never going to be as popular as, as basketball or, or football. Right. But um you know, it, it, I do feel like it, it. Hockey still just resonates a little bit more with the everyday fan, the everyday sports fan in an East Coast market than than it does on the West Coast. Well, that that attitude will serve you well here, because, like I said, this is this is a small group, but they care maybe more than any other fan base uh, around the league. So, um, it's going to be fun. Kevin Kurz, we're excited to have you come east and join the crew here. And uh, Islander fans, make sure you do follow him on Twitter. Uh, wait until he posts a few stories and see if the Islanders maybe win a game or two before he finally gets settled and maybe things will be a little bit more enjoyable. But thanks for joining us, Kevin. And obviously we're going to talk again soon. Yeah, I can't wait to get out there, Arthur. I'll see you soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks to Kevin Kurz, our new Islanders beat writer at The Athletic, for jumping on and talking a little bit about uh, his transition from San Jose to Long Island. Uh, and now... 
bringing back from uh, a successful debut as our guest co-host last week. It's former Islanders coach, longtime AHL coach, Scott Gordon. Scott, welcome back. Successful, that can only mean the ratings are up. <laughs> Very <laughs> successful. People loved it. Um, uh, less uh, less excited, I think, in Islander uh, in the Islanders world is uh, the results of the last few games. They're getting points now. They ended the the regulation losing streak at eight, but the overall losing streak is at eleven now. After uh, a couple of OT losses, one to San Jose at home, one in Detroit, shootout loss to Chicago. Um, before we get into the specifics of how they're playing now that they've gotten at least some of their regulars back, um, when you when you do get guys back from this sort of situation or whether it's injury or COVID, um, whatever position the Islanders have been in and you're losing, um, how do you, how do you as a coach kind of manage expectations where guys clearly want to feel like they want to win a game and have it count as 10 points so that they can get themselves back on, back on track. And with, you know, when you try to do too much, as we've talked about, you end up doing quite little. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's human nature to want to uh, set the world on fire after you come back from an injury, you've been out of the lineup for an extended period of time, and uh, just like you said, you you know you you try to do too much, and uh, you know you got to. The bottom line is you have to play the right way. You can't cheat the game. You can't you know try to find shortcuts uh, to give yourselves up, give yourself opportunities, because uh, ultimately you'll end up playing more in the defensive zone than you do in the offensive zone. So, you know, all these guys that are coming back. Um, you know, the, the one good thing is they're not coming. Well, I don't know what the specifics of the injuries, but I, I know there's been a few guys that have had COVID and, and uh, even though that's tough on the lungs, at least physically, they, they should be good as far as, uh, you know, not having to deal with uh, something that's nagging, whether it be a, a soft tissue injury or broken bones or whatever it might be concussion. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I, 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 I tell you, I, the, first three games I watched uh, before we spoke the first time, um, it, it was a different team in the San Jose and the Chicago game. I didn't see the Detroit game, but um, I, I think the guys that uh, came back in the lineup, I, I thought there was a huge difference and it, they just looked like a more confident team. Now they didn't get the, the wins, but uh, I think just the confidence of having the, you know, closer to a full lineup, um, the presence of those players that were out uh, had an impact on their game. The one thing I think kind of I'm sure you saw and I saw and everybody saw is that they are generating a lot more scoring chances, whether that's just their the flow up the ice is better because they have guys like Pellick back who can at least put the guys in the right spots uh, defensively, maybe limit some of the more inexperienced guys being in, in the situations you don't want them in. Or, you know, they've got Anders Lee back, Josh Bailey, Matthew Barzell seems to have, you know be a little bit more comfortable with his regular line mates. They're generating a ton and just not scoring. You know, it, those are stretches that every team goes through. Um, it just seems like the worst time for these guys to possibly go through it, especially that San Jose game where Barzal scores whatever it is a minute in with a great shot, and you feel like, okay, the dam is broken, and then they just didn't push through again the rest of the night. Um, you know, how how do you – the, the the coach in you, I'm sure, and most coaches would say, like, as long as we're generating enough, we'll be fine. But but we'll be fine only goes so far when you've lost that many in a row, I would think. Well, I, I it's funny you mentioned that because I I think that might have been the first time that I saw a breakout pass from the D that that didn't go up uh, just up the strong side boards. 
you know, whether it's a D to D or, you know, straight up from the corner up to the winger. Um, and, you know, who's making that play? It's, it's a guy that's got, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years of uh, experience that had enough patience to hold on to that puck and uh, be able to find uh, Barzell in space and, and be able to make that play basically, basically through two defenders. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, if you're, you're Barzell, he's probably saying, boy, it's, it's nice to get a pass like that and, and be able to skate with the puck for the neutral zone, and not have any back pressure and, and have some ice in front of themselves and, and uh, to be able to have the time and space to be able to get that shot off. And, and, you know, more importantly, the, the, the whole thing that we, we talked about it, uh, last week you know there was to me there wasn't a lot of uh, cohesiveness as a unit of five coming out of their zone a lot of uh, the part of it was the pressure that was being put on them uh, but there was just a lot of chipping it out and having to make line changes you get into that three-quarter game from a defensive side and, and not being able to get that three-quarter ice game from an offensive standpoint that was to me uh, you know when they scored that goal they had multiple four checks in that game that led to uh, sustained ozone time and all of a sudden you know, it was the, 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 the switch was flipped and, and now you've got uh, the Islanders playing, you know, from their blue line into the offensive zone for the majority of that first period. And, and uh, I think a lot of that ties into the experience on defense with the guys returning, a couple of forwards being back, a little more poised with the puck, you know, first year players, a lot of first year players, you know, sometimes it's just survival, making sure that they don't make the mistake that uh, is going to cause a team to lose a game. And uh, now you've got, I think, more plays being made where guys are trying to win games. And, you know, I, when you, that carries over throughout the game, um, I thought that the Islanders outplayed San Jose. I don't know what the shots were, but just from time of possession and offensive zone time, uh, I thought it was really encouraging. And, and then, you know, watching the uh, last game, uh, there's no no question that uh, they were the better team. I I was really impressed with uh, what they were doing in the offensive zone. The people getting to the net, shots that were being taken, sustained pressure, um, and again that all stemmed from the fact of being able to establish their forecheck, not with just one or two guys getting in off a dump, but uh, basically having five guys get up into the play, defensemen being part of the attack coming out of their zone, and um, as a result, I. I, I didn't have them giving up a whole lot of chances five on five inside their zone. The really the their best chances came off of the rush, and you know the one goal was uh, basically a, a, a two against four that uh, was a result of some uh, loose gap coming into the zone, and and um, they were able to make a shot. But uh, you know I, I thought even when they they did have some chances off the rush, they were had great back pressure, and uh, the gaps overall were, were pretty good and. And uh, for me, I, I thought it was really encouraging. And, and most importantly, you know, the power play. Last two games, what are they, three for seven? Uh, yeah. A lot of ozone time. Um, their entries coming into the zone through the middle of the ice instead of, you know, just getting up to the red line and being squeezed off towards the boards and having to dump the puck in. Now you're looking at possession entries. Uh, you're seeing uh, more setups. Uh, Wallstrom, I, I don't know how many shots he had in that shot attempts anyway against um, – Chicago, but there's they're there's they're getting those shots. They're getting pucks to the net, people to the net recoveries, um, resetting up after a shot. So it's it, it you know that I think is going to have a, a huge impact, uh, especially with the forwards because now all of a sudden they're getting their touches and their feels and getting some points in the power play. It's going to build some confidence and hopefully that carries over into their five on five play. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're with Scott Gordon talking about uh, some encouraging signs in the Islanders' last three games. And maybe the most encouraging sign as we're talking about the defense is uh, what Noah Dobson's done in the last two games and especially in the Chicago game. He obviously had the goal in the, in the closing seconds to tie it. Um but when Scott, when you see a young guy like that, and you know he struggled a bit, I think when a lot of the a lot of the regulars were out, he was asked to do a lot, and that's that's a big change for a 21, 22 year old defenseman. But it did seem like something went off in him uh, this weekend, and especially in that Chicago game where Barry Trotz kept running him out there, and he was making plays with the puck in his own zone, in the offensive zone, culminated with uh, with the huge tying goal to get them at least a point. When you see a young guy kind of have that that light going light bulb moment, um, you know, do you do you kind of say like, okay, that's one. We need to see more. Or do you say like, this is a guy who, you know, he's a high pick. Maybe he's gonna. Maybe this is the start of something big. Well, you know, you you don't know the impact it had. I don't know what he played for minutes uh, when all the defensemen were out with the injuries and COVID, but. Um, you know, maybe somewhere along the way, there's a, a little more confidence being built up behind the scenes that, uh, you know, you're not, you might not necessarily see it in the games, but, but uh, you know, now that there's a, a full lineup or closer to a full lineup uh, for the Islanders, now all of a sudden, all that extra, maybe extra ice time and, and more opportunities with the puck is, is starting to you know build up his game. You know, that play he made in the second period uh, against Chicago where uh, he, uh, he basically just went around two people and carried across the blue line. And, you know, that, you know, that's something that you'd see out of a 10 year veteran that, uh, you know, might be going to, to the hall of fame. It was just really real, real uh, poised and, uh, calculated. And, uh, you know, I think, like you said, uh, you know, o- over time here, he's probably starting to build up more confidence with the coach, uh, and getting more ice time and, and now that there's a stronger lineup, uh, there's more things that he can do with the puck and getting the puck to people and know that maybe, you know, hey, if I if there's a breakdown, uh, you know, somebody will have my back. Uh, you know, whereas before it, was, it might have been a little there might have been a little bit of, uh, you know, if I make a mistake here, you know, that it's more expected of me and, and I can't do that. So I, I think they I think both things go hand in hand as far as uh, getting getting that offensive time and. Uh, um, you know, getting more minutes, and uh, now that uh, you know the team is uh, getting stronger, uh, you know that should be should be some some good times for him. You know, he's on the 
had a couple of good games, so hopefully he's on the rise. I'm curious to know how you view guys like, uh, in particular, Anthony Bovillier and Kyle Palmieri, who played the whole way through, did not go on COVID, uh, did not, were not injured, but struggled pretty mightily to score goals. And, and I think, uh, you know, they played on, mostly played on a line together all the way through this, this last stretch. Um, Palmieri stuck on one goal. I think Bovillier has no goals in maybe 10 or 11 games. Um, when you've got guys that have experience that are going through maybe some low confidence moments, you know, do you as a, as a coach, do you have to kind of remind yourself this isn't just about coaching up the young guys and saying they'll get through it. You have to, you know, you have guys that have these moments, whether they're 25 or 30 or they've got 10 or 10 years in the game or 10 games in the, in the NHL. It's, is it, is it kind of a constant rotation of, Oh yeah, I have to remember about my veterans too, because they're not, they, some of them just can't work themselves through it. And the confidence thing, it can be an issue for anybody. It's funny you mentioned Pavilion. He He's the one guy, like I didn't really know him a lot. I, I saw him playing the playoffs against the Flyers and, and I was impressed. But, um, and I don't know if it's because of more opportunity with the guys being out and uh, him being one of the more experienced forwards. But I've been impressed with him. And the thing that, uh, the, the biggest takeaway for me with his game is like, he doesn't, he doesn't cheat. He, you know, he's, he might not be getting points, but I, I thought he, he's done a great job as far as uh, being strong defensively, making good decisions. Uh, you know, when he has made a mistake, but turn the puck over the efforts there to get back and make a difference at the other end of the ice. And um, really that's what you, you want from those, those players that are your veteran guys. And uh, you know, that they, they don't, you know, try to cut corners to, to get their offense because eventually it, it comes back. And, and like I said, you know, these, these forwards now are going to get better passes from their defensemen, just from the experience and the poise of the, the veteran guys. And, uh, you know, also with the depth of the forwards being stronger now, um, you know, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but it, it does have an impact on, uh, you know, being able to, to, to get points and, you know, the power play struggling as it was, um, you know, for so long, a lot of those guys, they, they get by when those bad stretches with their power play points and uh, they didn't, they weren't getting them for a while there yet. I mean, I don't know how many games it was in that streak, but you know, they scored two, zero, one, one, two, zero, one, zero. Um, that's a lot of games to not score. And, and you know, if you're going that many games, um, uh, you know, with a struggling power play on top of that, you know, you're going to have those stretches where you're not going to get your goals five on five. You, you want those power play opportunities just to kind of feed the, the confidence and uh, of your, your forwards and, you know, just to keep them going. So, you know, yeah, as long as they're, to me, if, if they're doing doing what they're supposed to be doing at both ends of the ice, that's an encouraging sign. And lastly, a uh, non-Islanders topic, but relevant to you as someone who coached not only at the AHL level, but at the NHL level in the Philadelphia organization, Elaine Vigneault, Michelle Terry, and fired. Uh, they come back out with Mike Yo last night and lose 7-5. I think it's seven goals in back-to-back games that they've given up. There's a lot of guys in that room that you that you coached. Um, can you? Are, is there any surprise uh, that these you know, especially after Vino's first year, where they came within a game of the the conference final in the bubble, um, and uh, and to now, just a couple of years later, he, he's fired. The team seems to be headed in the wrong direction. Um, you know, what's your what's your view on that situation as it's all kind of imploded uh, this week? Yeah, I, you know, like I, I mean, I, I look back in my time with the Islanders and uh, 
that the stretch before I got fired, um, I, you know, like, yeah, I think as a coach, sometimes you, you know, when things aren't going well and I actually, I thought our, our team had played pretty well the last three out of four games that we played. I, I think we gave up three or four goals and we just couldn't score. And, and I was, I was encouraged by that, but I think the, the hard part about the flyers with the expectations, um, I, you know, having been there, there's some, some pretty good talent there that there's an expectation that, you know, they're going to push for a Stanley cup and, and, you know, ideally win one, you know, they, they went out and got AV and, uh, you know, a, a pretty uh, experienced coaching staff. They, they try to go with the, the, um, some lineup tweaks for, for the first two years that AV was there. And then they, you know, obviously made some changes in the summer, and, um, you know, really, they I don't think they had the opportunity to, to get a full look at uh, what their changes were going to bring. Um, but I think, the, you know, probably the biggest takeaway is they, you know, they, it was just a struggle in all areas, whether it was uh, power play, five on five scoring, uh, goaltending for a while was really strong. And uh, you know, maybe the last few games uh, hasn't been as strong. Uh, you know, they, they, they spent a lot of time in their D zone and, you know, just reading the comments from, from Chuck uh, Fletcher, you know, these, these are the areas that uh, they, they had to get better in and they, they, you know, just seem to be snow pot, snowballing. And, uh, you know, I think you never want to see somebody lose their job, but uh, you know, it's, it was probably one of those things where as a coach, you you know, you're hoping things that are going to turn around soon. And they just never really did, particularly over the last 12-game stretch. Well, um, tough situation for them, tough situation for the Islanders, but uh, clearly some things are starting to turn around. And maybe by the time we're talking again next week, the Islanders have played a few more games. We'll actually talk about a win or two, uh, a very rare occurrence these days with the Islanders. So I think that's a, a pretty good comparison, though, like where, you're, where the teams are at and, um, you know, like it – I mean, who's to say if the last three games uh, the Flyers had gotten a point and uh, had been showing signs of, uh, you know, getting their offensive game back, uh, you know, whether it was time of possession, shots, uh, power play trending in a positive direction, you know, on both special teams. And, um, you know, that's, you know, kind of a tale of two different teams. You know, like it, uh, you got to look at the Islanders and say, you know, this is, this looks like we could potentially be turning the corner here. And um, whereas the Flyers, it's, it was a little bit different situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Scott Gordon. Uh, great stuff. We'll be back again next week with you with some more Islanders insights and whatever else comes up around the league, which seems to be something that happens on a daily basis. So thanks as always, Scott. All right. Thanks, Arthur. Yep. And thanks for everyone for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. You can follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. If you're enjoying the show, that really helps us out. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month. When you visit theathletic.com slash nosleeptillbelmont, thanks to Kevin Kurz, Scott Gordon. We'll be back. More Isles Talk next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.